You know, the Bible says that God gave plans to David for the temple. It's fascinating. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Ron Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We go through the Bible every year. This is our 32nd year. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we do, we learn a lot. Now, helping us learn is Corey and Ryan. Corey? Well, I have some good old-fashioned mysteries for us today. We're going to be talking about the royal burials of Judah and Jerusalem. Ryan? Well, you know, stars are mentioned frequently in the Bible as innumerable, which is exactly right. But today, I also want to focus on the great distances of these stars. All right, that's fascinating. Look forward to that. Janice, what's going on? Well, we have special segments. If you've been watching for the last few days, join us again. And we're going to be talking with Jim Cantillon towards the end of the program. Jim Cantillon is great. Uh, look forward to that. And right now, let's open up the Bible and hear what God is saying to us as we study. First Chronicles 28, verses 10 through 19. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries for the dedicated things, also for the division of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the articles of service in the house of the Lord. He gave gold by weight, things of gold, for all the articles used in every kind of service. Also silver, for all articles of silver by weight, for all articles used in every kind of service. The weight for the lampstands of gold and their lamps of gold, by weight, for each lampstand and its lamps. For the lampstands of silver by weight, for the lampstand and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand. And by weight, he gave gold for the tables of the showbread, for each table, and silver for the tables of silver. Also pure gold for the forks, the basins, the pitchers of pure gold, and the golden bowls, he gave gold by weight for every bowl, and for the silver bowls, silver by weight for every bowl, and refined gold by weight for the altar of incense, and for the construction of the chariot, that is, the golden cherubim that spread their wings and overshadowed the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 10 through 19. First Chronicles chapter 27, chapter 28, and chapter 29. That's what we read today as we go through the Bible. It is exciting. You know, although David had in his heart to build a temple for the Lord, it's interesting because God did not permit him to build it because as a man of war, he had shed blood. 
Instead, God assigned David's son Solomon to build it. But David could and did fulfill all the requirements for the temple to be built in resources and care. We read about that today in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. The temple was, as with Moses and the tabernacle, to be built with reverence and with care, the care of God's creative mind. And David made sure that the resources were ready and that men and women who were called to build the temple were in place so that Solomon could begin. King David's kingdom was not the time or the place that the temple would be built, but it would be in Solomon's time. Now Solomon knew his assignment, and he must have felt as if he needed God's wisdom to construct the building. The supplies and the items used for sacrifice and worship are listed in verses 10 to 21. Very interesting. Now, as we look at it, preparations to build... I want to remind you that if you don't have it, you can get it. That is the Bible guide. And the Bible guide is here for you, and you can write to us or call for us for it, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the webpage. It'll take you to, of course, the place where you can give your donations. And let me just say thank you for those. And also, you can download that Bible guide just like it's printed. It's great. You can follow us and work towards it. Today, we're talking about preparation to build. And Father, I pray today in Jesus' name as we look at this, that we too would come with respect and with honor to listen to what you have done, that we can understand the reasons and the reasons you built the way you did, because that's important. Thank you, Father, and help us today to read from the Bible in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, Amen and amen. Now, listen carefully to the scripture. This gets really interesting here as we focus on this. First Chronicles chapter 28, we're going to begin with verse 10. Last year, we read 1 through 9. This year, we're going to read verses 10 through 13. Listen carefully. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary, for the place where you set apart the sanctuary, to be strong and do it. And then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasures, and its upper chamber, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of, the God, house of God, and of the treasuries for the dedicated things. Verse 13. Also for the division of the priest and the Levites for all of the work of the service of the house of the Lord and for all of the articles of the service in the house of the Lord. This brings me to the first point. The Spirit, capital S, the Spirit gave David the plans for the temple and David gave the plans to Solomon. Beloved, God's kingdom is built through the generations. Did you hear that? God's kingdom is built through the generations. Every generation is not independent of its previous generation. We must, beloved, if we are older, we must give God's will in building his kingdom to the next generation. Otherwise, they'll be lost. 
and it'll be a terrible world. And we're seeing some of that now. But we need to give, and that's what the other reason we're on this program, we need to give that to the people. And so, beloved, hear the word of God. We're teaching it right now. Very important. Chapter 14 to 18, he gave gold by weight, things of gold for all the articles used in every kind of service. Also silver for the articles of silver by weight for all articles used in every kind of service. The weight for the lampstand of gold and their lamps of gold by weight for each lampstand and its lamps. Did you get that? For the lampstands of silver by weight and for the lampstand of its lamps according to the use of each lampstand. And by weight, he gave gold for the tables of the showbread for each table and silver for the tables of silver. Also, pure gold for the forks and basins, the pitchers of pure gold, and the gold bowls. He gave gold by weight for every bowl and for every silver bowl. Silver by weight for every bowl. And refined gold by the weight for the altar of incense and for the construction, the chariot of the chariot. That is the gold cherubim that spread their wings and overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, this is important. David gave to Solomon the weight and the measure of all the holy things to be used in the temple. God gives us everything we need for his call and his service. Did you get that? God gives us everything we need for his call and his service. God gave to David, David then gave it to Solomon. So when we see this, we understand that this is given to them and we need to hear that because God is across the generations. He's always been God, always. I think it's really important. Now let's go on because this really gets interesting. We're going to talk about it. The 19th verse in chapter 28, which says, All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me. Did you hear that? All this, David said, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me. All the works of these plans. God gave this to David. David wrote it down and gave it to Solomon. David was given a detailed plan from the Lord. God has assigned us to build his kingdom, his way. We should listen to him. So many people are not. They're not listening. I always say this. God is talking to us. The question is, are we listening? Do we make plans in our life to read the Bible on a daily basis? Do we make plans to pray to the Lord? Or do we just quickly go through our day, make sure we hit Facebook and YouTube? I mean, we got to do that or Instagram or wherever you want to go, Rumble or wherever else you want to go. Or do we say, no, wait a minute. I don't need to hear from everybody else. I need to hear from God. Do we listen for the Lord? Do we take time? in our day, and listen for God. That is a critical point because we need to hear the Lord. God is trying to instruct us to get us out of the trouble we're in, and we've got to listen to the Lord. We pray, oh Jesus, come and help us. And God is telling us what to do. 
We need to listen to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, we praise your name. We'll do it. And then we need to do it in Jesus' name. That's how we discover how God works with us. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as I mentioned off the top of the program, the Bible in a lot of places refers to the stars as uncountable. And 1 Chronicles 27, 23 is one of those passages. It says, But David did not take the number of those 20 years old and under, because the Lord had said he would multiply Israel like the stars of the heavens. And you know, the stars truly are innumerable. But today I also want to focus on the great distances to some of these stars. Uh, one example is a star called Musifi, in which it's, it's a staggering 3,000 light years away. Check it out. The total number of stars in the observable universe is estimated to be 10 to the 25th power. That is a 1 followed by 25 zeros. Our Milky Way galaxy alone contains about 200,000 million of those stars. Not only is our galaxy a home to a vast array of stars, but it is also incredibly large itself, with an estimated diameter of 100,000 light years. One light year, a unit of distance, not time, is roughly 9.46 million million kilometers. The closest star to the Earth besides the Sun is Proxima Centauri. It lies at a distance of 4.2 light years. This distance means you could fit over 4,000 of our solar systems in between the Sun and Proxima Centauri. Although this is quite a distance, astronomically this is extremely close. Indeed, in the constellation Gemini is the star Pollux, lying at a distance of 33 light years. That is more than 300 trillion kilometers away. Farther still, the blue supergiant Rigel is more than 770 light years. The red supergiant Musifi, found in the constellation Cephas, is a staggering 3,000 light years away. Incredibly, all of these stars are still just within the Milky Way, only one galaxy among countless others. But how do astronomers know the distances to these many stars? They use a method called parallax. This is the phenomenon where objects closer to the observer seem to move faster while objects farther away do not seem to move much at all. Depending on the distances between the objects, it can be more or less extreme. Nearby stars have a high parallax, while the distant stars have a low parallax. Once a star's parallax is known, astronomers use a mathematical equation to calculate the distance of the star. However, parallax can only be used for objects up to 600 light years away. Objects farther than this require estimations as the methods are indirect. It is a very humbling experience to observe a universe that we cannot see the end of, nor to be able to count all of its stars. Though scientists once believed that the stars could be numbered, the Bible revealed otherwise. Jeremiah 33:22 says, The host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured. 
Interestingly, only two chapters earlier, the Bible also reveals that we will never discover the end of the universe in this life. This is certainly not hard to believe. You know, the more I study the heavens, the more I stand in awe and realize that they really do declare the glory and handiwork of God, as Psalm 19 proclaims. And I'm not alone on that. Abraham Lincoln once said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. And John Locke said, the visible marks of extraordinary wisdom and power appear so plainly in all the works of creation that a rational creature who will but seriously reflect on them cannot miss the discovery of a deity. You know, I totally agree with that. As I'm studying the universe and all of the creation, I just don't have the faith to believe that there's no God. Well, that's really true, and that's, that's how I feel as well. So it's very interesting. Thank you, Ryan, for that. We appreciate it. Corey, what's going on? All right, so I'm going to be taking a look at the death and the burial of the kings of Judah specifically. So these are the descendants of David that ruled and died in the city of Jerusalem. So we're gonna be asking ourselves some questions like what can we learn about the burials of these kings? And for another thing, why did the prophets of the Bible accuse the kings and the people of Jerusalem of apostasy because of these burials? Let's find out. The royal tombs and burials of ancient Judah present us with several mysteries. First, there's the mystery presented by the death formulas of the kings of Jerusalem. For almost all the kings, the Bible says that they died and were buried in the city of David. Burial within the city's limits seems to have been exclusively reserved for Jerusalem's royals. All the 12 kings from David to Ahaz use this similar death formula or saying and are said to have been buried in the city of David, with only five of these kings being buried in their own tombs rather than in the proper tombs of the kings, and for various reasons. This all changes with Ahaz's son, the reformer King Hezekiah. He's the first king whose death formula just says that he died. It reads quite simply, Hezekiah rested with his ancestors. Second Chronicles adds that Hezekiah was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. So not in the tombs of the kings within the city of David, but rather in a royal family cemetery nearby. Kings Manasseh and Ammon are then said to have been buried in their palace garden, the Garden of Uzzah. The next king, Josiah, is likewise said to have been buried in Jerusalem, not the smaller Acropolis of the city of David, and in his own tomb. The last four kings of Jerusalem all died and were buried in various exiles. So, this leaves us with questions that researchers debate. Where exactly were the proper tombs of the kings? Where and what is the Garden of Uzzah, and why was there a shift away from burial in the tombs of the kings and into a palace garden and personal tombs? Some believe that the ministry of the prophet Ezekiel initiated the switch. In Ezekiel 43, God indicts Jerusalem for burying her kings so close to the temple and for accompanying their deaths with offerings. In this view, kings from Hezekiah onward were buried farther away from the temple to curry God's favor once again. 
There's also an interesting cultural association with kings and gardens. Garden tombs located in palace complexes were kingly places of burial in the cultures surrounding Judah. So perhaps King Manasseh's association with Assyria led him to choose a garden burial. These answers have led us to our next mystery. What were the unacceptable royal funeral offerings mentioned by Ezekiel? We know from King Asa's reign and from a mention in the book of Jeremiah that it was customary to have a large fire in honor of a dead king. Archaeologically, there are no known remains of a king's burial in or around Jerusalem. However, from more common graves, it's known that many funeral offerings and perhaps even yearly offerings were given to or on behalf of the dead. These were practical offerings like food, wine, and spices. Perhaps these were also offered for the kings in larger, grander quantities, and at least the prophet Ezekiel did not approve. There is a lot more to be said about the, the death cults and the burial practices of ancient Israel and Judah. So on future programs, we're going to delve even farther into these royal burials and even the common burials that are known around Jerusalem. Uh, thank you, Corey. Very good. Thank you for that. It's very important that we keep our eye on the world and what's happening. And one of the things that has happened in the last really several months has been this strike uh, against the Ukraine by the nation of Russia and all of that. And Jim Canlon is here. And Jim, uh, you're with WOW, working for orphans and widows. What a great ministry yeah. that is. WOWmission.com. WOWmission.com. Right. And uh, as we study this, you got involved with uh, Ukraine. How? Well, um, I've made it a core value these 22 years. We've been working with orphans and widows in sub-Saharan Africa and India that we do not work anywhere uh, outside of a relational um, basis. And that relational basis has to be with pastors and churches and the church's volunteers because it's the local people who are doing the ministry. You know, some white guy from North America should not be doing it. They're doing it, but I'm helping to encourage them and fund them and whatever. So anyway... Uh, this Ukraine thing emerges. It's been a few weeks now, and um, it's just devastating. And my heart was moved by these orphans because, I mean, we're working for orphans and widows. I mean, it's a no-brainer. But how do I get involved there without this relational core value in place, without local churches in place? Well, guess what? Turns out I've got an old friend there. He's a pastor. 40 years we've known each other. And um, he is in Bratislava, Slovakia, and he's, he's uh, coordinating uh, a network of churches in Ukraine and Poland. And suddenly, he's overseeing churches who have become refugee centers. These churches have opened their basements. They've opened their, uh, you know, for people to sleep. And they've opened their main sanctuaries for distribution centers for food and medicine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they don't have to come in from the outside. They're already there. They already speak the language. But the relational component to me is really important. But what I have, without ever asking for it, is a guy who I know and trust, who's got a track record, and guess what? It's local churches doing the job. I mean, it's like uh, our core values were somehow transferred to this urgent situation. And so, to me, it was a no-brainer. I'm getting in there, and uh, within a couple of days after hearing from him, uh, in faith, I sent him several thousands of dollars to help with uh, the orphan care, especially. Um, and um, I expect we're going to be engaged with them 
for probably years to come because mm-hmm. even when the war is over, the orphan thing is not going to go away. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing to remember is that uh, it's long term. Yeah. And you're going to be involved where the orphans and the widows go. Yeah, in fact, uh, Kathy and I are already planning when we're finished uh, our, our next ministry uh, visit to uh, Africa. We're going to come home by way of um, Slovakia and um, Ukraine and uh, Poland, if we can get in. <laughs> and uh, they're going to gather those pastors together. And I'm going to, first of all, listen and learn and affirm them in what they're doing, but also give them from a biblical perspective, my very strong message on righteousness and justice. Yeah, righteousness with God and mm. justice with each other. Yeah, love for God, love for neighbor. That's the, that's the sweet spot of God's expectation for us. And we've we've uh, been uh, with you for years now. You're like a younger brother or an older brother. To <laughs> Excuse me, me yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really important that we we do the word as well as with justice, as well as understand what the word says. So that's what we do. We understand what the word says and we do the word. And we're not a big fundraising organization here, but this is something that if yeah. you want to help mission, it's a wowmission.com. Wowmission.com. Yeah. Of course, we tithe to you. Yeah. We always have. and yeah. We have for years. But wowmission.com is where people can go and they can see. Now, we don't know if you have the updates yet. No, but, on the uh, website, no, I, I will have uh, updates. Probably by the time people are listening to us, I'll have updates there. Uh, but I would also say this, uh, the funding is for them. It's not for us. And uh, you partner with us. And I would think that people are more comfortable, um, you know, giving through Bible Discovery TV. I mean, go for it. So the, the point is that the, the, we're getting resources uh, and yeah. we're getting a helping hand to people yeah. who are in the basement of churches. Mm-hmm all over the place, and we pray for them. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name for them. Help them. And uh, we we cry out to you, Lord, help our resources to get there. Mm -hmm. Thank you for Jim and his presidential leadership of this organization, which is absolutely outstanding. And we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help the kids. Lord Jesus, the kids. Mm -hmm. Help the kids, Lord. Uh, My heart breaks for them. Help them, O God, in Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you, Lord. And we said together, amen and amen. 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 I think we need to remember that. We're going to have Jim back on tomorrow. But let's continue to pray for the children and the, and the widows. So if some don't even know that they're widows yet. So we got to pray for them that God will help them. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to have you with us. And I want to say that you can join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern Time. That's New York time. And uh, we'll pray for you live. And we're on Bible Discovery TV always. So make sure that you're there and we can pray for you. Today, we need to pray. Lord, I must do things in my life your way. Help me to listen to you. Today, I pray in Jesus' name.